Yes, it's Bowie Jane and we're on Babes Behind the Beat. Welcome everyone to whatever day of the week it is. Woohoo! Woo! Hey Bowie, happy to be here again with you doing a little chin wag. Yeah, time for a chin wag. Time for a chin wag. Well, it's, today is good because actually we wanted to talk about leading into our guest for the day because we have Babs from Emo Night. Yeah. And I feel like we should talk about Emo Night. I mean, it's this huge event. Everyone that lives in LA and actually around this country that is in this kind of scene or just in general, actually, they know about this. It's yeah. a huge, huge event. It's huge. And everyone I've spoken to knows about it, but I did not know about it because I'm Australian. Yeah. You, you were like, what's emo night? I was like, yeah. wow, Bowie. But I, I've heard so many people talk about it. Oh my God. I looked it up. I'm like, this is huge. So oh, it's massive. Yeah. What, what exactly is it? It's, it's essentially a huge party, a huge event where they celebrate as I guess you would say emo music, but it's a certain like generation of music that we all loved. I mean, for instance, there's bands like Taking Back Sunday, Jimmy Eat World, Blink-182. But not just that. I mean, if they turned it into was they would invite guests to come DJ these sets. So you're showing up and watching people like on stage play music. There's a bunch of people on stage dancing too, just kind of having fun, singing along, getting yeah. the crowd hyped. They've had guests DJ such as like, you know, Machine Gun Kelly and Demi Lovato and like Travis Barker. And, and they also have these people that play shows. We all have these like special appearances and surprise guests that will play actual sets for Emo Night. Wow, is it like in a warehouse or is it... Um, it was at the Equiplex for oh, a while. Right. Yeah, and, and it sells out every time and there's a line that goes around the fucking block. It's insane. I remember like a couple times I've been where I saw the line. I cannot believe people wait for hours. Yeah. I mean, they want to get in. It's the place to be. It's usually once a month. It's like the first Friday of every month they That's, have this I event. did read that. Yeah, the first Friday. So when I did my bit of my research. Yes, when you were finding out about it. Yeah. <laughs> It is expanded. They were touring. They were having these events all across the country. And they even were going to play Coachella. They had a, a set, a slot time at Coachella. And they did Warp Tour. And yes. Yeah, so it seems like it's been growing and growing and growing. Yeah, I was lucky. I actually got to DJ a couple times there. I did one at main stage, I think one or two, but I did like a side stage by myself, kind of like a female-oriented Oh my God, DJ you set. were DJing? Here's the thing. You know what happens is you pick a bunch of songs you want to play and you kind of just press the buttons. Oh, nice. I'm not like you, Bowie. I'm not like a <laughs> DJ mastermind where I'm like, ooh, this goes with this and I can mix these songs together. No, I fucking wish I was that cool. But... I was like, hey, we should do a dual DJ thing. Yo, believe me, <laughs> you would know if I could DJ because you and I'd be doing this right now, but I can't. <laughs> Next time, if we do an emo night, we'll talk to Babs about it. You'll be DJing, I'll drum. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, that would be sick. <laughs> that would be super cool. But yeah, I did get to DJ a couple of them, which were super fun. Everyone knows these songs. You're playing the most popular song. I mean, it's like Fall Out Boys, Paramore, all the huge hits from this era that we all love and you're just screaming at the top of your lungs. Yeah. And so everyone's just having the best time and um, so and then you good. get excited about the guests obviously that are there. They bring new upcoming bands from LA or even just around the country that they come to LA to play the show but people want to play because yeah. they have expanded it. You know, there's different stages, different areas. The main stage is the DJs and like the surprise guests and then there's like kind of smaller stages with other DJs and like live event, uh, live music wow. and all that stuff. So it's a whole thing, Bowie. And I want to go so bad. We Once everything is back to normal 
in this world, which I don't know if that will ever happen. Hopefully it will. When it does get back to some sort of new normal, we will have to attend this. Yeah, I will take you. Did you say France has just gone into a full lockdown I was just going to say, <laughs> as I was saying, like when things, and I'm like, I don't know when that's going to happen because France and Germany are back in lockdown Crazy. again. Yeah. And you said Australia is still... They just came out of a lockdown, but they've been in lockdown the whole time. So Yeah. See, so so I don't know when this will happen, but when it does... I'm there. I'm there. We're going to emo night together. <laughs> and so we're chatting with Babs, who is the creator, right? The creator and She's organizer. a co-founder. So her and two other guys were the founders of, of emo night. Babs has also, with them, started a creative agency called Ride or Cry. So they are the founders of emo night and Ride or Cry, which is a whole other creative branch that we can find out about from her today. Oh, I can't wait to chat with her. So let's get her on the line then. We're going to get Babs from Emo Night. Whoop, whoop, Let's whoop. do it. Let's do it. Welcome, Babs, to our Babes Behind the Beach show with Jess Bowen and Bobby Jane. Hello, hello. Hi, Babs. Hi. How are you guys? We're so good. We're so excited to have you on our show. We've been wanting to get you on this for a while now, but I know you do your own podcast and everything, so you're a busy gal. <laughs> I, I have been pretty busy, but I'm very happy to be here with you guys. Yay. Yeah. Thanks for doing this. So we kind of told the listeners beforehand a little bit about Emo Night because Bowie, she's from Australia. So she actually had not really been familiar with Emo Night. And so we kind of broke it down a little bit and gave her the rundown on what it is, this huge event that you have co-founded this with two other friends of yours. But with that being said, let's just get right into it. When did this idea come about and how did that really happen for you? Like, how did you guys start this huge event? Sure. So one of our other founders, TJ, him and I met at a friend's birthday party in Palm Springs. Springs and we did karaoke together because we both realized that we liked Dashboard Confessional. We were flipping through the pages of the songs they had and we saw Dashboard hands down and we just turned to each other and we're like, do you want to do this together? And then a couple of days after we were just kind of talking and we thought there isn't really a bar or a place in LA where you can go and listen to pop punk and emo. There are places where you can listen to EDM and top 40 and hip hop, but not really emo and pop punk. So we just kind I wanted to start at a bar where we get our friends together and play our favorite emo and pop punk songs and and uh, just hang out and drink and. I think like 500 people ended up showing up. We just put up a Facebook invite. That was your first one and 500 people showed up? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that is crazy. Yeah. Were you like freaking out? Did you have a big enough venue? And- no, we didn't. We were doing it at this bar called The Short Stop and it was so tiny and we were DJing off of an iPad. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it was also a rainy day in LA, which when it rains in LA, people freak out because it never rains here. So the fact that people still showed up and waited in line and all this kind of stuff was crazy. And it kind of grew really, really quickly. We only did two at that bar and then we moved pretty quickly to the Echoplex, which was a bigger venue. It's around 750 people. Yeah, we started going to different cities and doing them. And now they're in 32 cities around the US and we've done them in the UK 
and Hawaii, which is so fun and just a bunch of different places. Yeah. But I didn't realize you guys also went over to the UK then for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We did one around um, Slam Dunk Fest. Oh, for Slam Dunk. Okay. Yeah. It, oh that would work well over there, I imagine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 It was really, really fun. So how did you get 500 people though at your first gig? Were all your friends into this style of music or word got around? Yeah. I think word got around because there really wasn't a place that people could go and listen to emo and pop punk at the time. And I think we realized that a lot more people needed this than we realized. Yeah. Our, our, friends got the word out and was it a Facebook invite? How was the promotion of that? Did you guys spend money promoting it or anything? No, we spent zero money promoting it. We just put up a Facebook event. It was featured on some website. It was like the top five things to do on Tuesday night. <laughs> oh, oh that's good. That's the other thing that I forget. It started on Tuesdays. Yeah, exactly. And then you ended up moving it to Fridays. How soon was it then that you're like, oh, we should do this on Fridays after you saw obviously Tuesdays was a huge hit? Well, so we had to do Tuesdays because the bar that we wanted to do it at, they didn't think that our event would do well. And so they gave us an off day, you know? <laughs> oh my God. Joke, jokes on them. I you guys know. didn't line out the door and they're I like, know. They, <laughs> they freaked out. They didn't have enough bartenders or anything. We wanted to call it Taking Back Thursday and do it on Thursdays, but we ended up having to call it Taking Back Tuesday. And then even after we moved it to the Echoplex, we did it on Tuesdays just because we thought there's so many things going on in LA on a Friday night. We didn't want to compete with other events. But then I don't remember if it was year three or four that we ended up just moving it to Fridays for our own sanity. (laughs) So how long has this been going for? When was the first show? The first show was end of 2014. So it's been almost six years. Yeah, wow. I cannot believe time flies. I didn't realize it's already been that many years since it started. You're telling me. (laughs) Yeah, I I know. (laughs) I'm sure for you, you're really like, damn. (laughs) You guys don't call yourself DJs because you're like the event planners, you're the organizers, you're like the... So when did you switch it over to having other people doing the DJing? Uh, Pretty early on, even the second event, we had a buddy from Census Fail come DJ. We had Ian Cohen from, who's a pitchfork writer. And then the third one that we ever did at the Echoplex, Mark Hoppus ended up (laughs) DJing. and. Crazy that it was the third one. I know it was pretty crazy. We reached out to this manager, Chris Georgian, that I knew from working at CAA, and I knew that he managed All American Rejects. So we reached out to see if Tyson would want to come DJ, and he said, "Oh, he's busy. I think he was shooting something since he's an actor." But I think that Mark Hoppus would actually be down to do this. You were working in the industry a long time before, so you obviously sort of knew how to run events. You said you worked at CAA. Did that help? Obviously, you had a lot connections, but you also saw the behind the scenes of what was going on. Yeah. I worked in marketing at Sony while I was in college. And then I worked at CAA in digital strategy and then touring. So I did help book a lot of shows, but I'd never worked in the actual production side of events and none of us had. So we were kind of winging it and we were learning as we were going. And every day some new problem arose, but we solved it and we just kind of went with it and did the best that we could with our knowledge. Wow. Crazy. So exciting though, I imagine at the time. Oh, it was crazy. I never knew what was going on. I just kind of went with it. (laughs) And then you ditched your job, right? You had a full-time job, did you? 
Yeah, ditched the job and took it on full time. Yeah, it was about a year into it. We realized that we just couldn't stay at our day jobs and continued to do emo night because we started traveling and we were constantly on conference calls. We'd have to leave in the middle of the day to do an interview at K-Rock. We were living double lives, basically. (laughs) It's like how like a band starts getting traction and gets signed and you're like, well, I'm doing this now full time, you know? Exactly, yeah. So you mentioned you've already worked in the music industry basically since you were graduated college. So did you grow up knowing you wanted to do music? Uh, So growing up, my parents were both in bands. It's actually how they met. So I grew up around music pretty much since I was born. I think that made me love music on a really, really deep level. But I, I honestly didn't know that I wanted to work in music until I got to college and I was studying journalism and I just became really interested in writing only about music. And I started interviewing all the bands that would come perform at our school, you know, do these video interviews with them that ended up doing really well. And around the same time, I got a job at Sony being a college marketing rep, which was a really fun job. And it kind of made me realize this is what I want to do. And so shortly after I graduated, I got yeah hired at CAA and I worked there for about two years. And then I left to work at a digital strategy company, which is where I met TJ and Morgan, who I started Emo Night with. What were you doing at CAA specifically? At CAA, I was hired on to do digital strategy. And so my boss actually was also a Sony college rep. I think that's literally why they hired me because it's really hard to get hired at CAA. And so I worked with her for about a year and then she left. So I transitioned into touring and my boss worked on a lot of emo and pop punk bands. So I ended up working on that, Taking Back Sunday and the U tour, which was so much fun and a lot of really cool sort of more rock-leaning artists, which made it really exciting to actually do all the boring stuff like collect ticket counts and (laughs) go through contracts. And a lot of it is pretty mundane, but when you're doing it for an artist that you actually like and care about, it can be exciting. Right. And what is digital strategy? Is that working out, I guess, the strategy for releasing stuff or just for promoting the artist? Sure. It's mainly, you know, around social media, coming up with a plan and an overall strategy for when an artist has an album coming out or they're going on tour, you know, what the ad mat will look like, like how we're going to present the songs on social media, the marketing plan, working with different venues to make sure you're marketing each show correctly, that kind of stuff. So would you say for listeners that are also wanting to get into this, is it exactly as being like a creative director, but you guys are like a team of creative directors then that are doing this? I think it's more detailed than being a creative director. It's it's uh it goes down to a really really detailed level of okay this post is going up on Twitter at nine a.m. or the world will end. You know, even the smallest little details for social media that most people would not think of. I guess exactly. Speaking of ride or cries, you started this creative agency with again the two others that you founded Emo Night with. Mm-hmm. When did that start? Did you start getting approached by people because of Emo Night about starting this agency or was this something you guys already knew you wanted to do? Yeah, so this is pretty much what we were doing as our day jobs when we started Emo Night. So TJ and I worked at a small sister company to the company that Morgan was working at. And we were working in digital strategy and social media. We were doing social media for like Coachella and Stevie Nicks and oh, wow. just huge accounts. And then Morgan was 
working more on in the music video direction and production side of things. So we already had a ton of relationships built. We knew what we were doing. I mean, as much as someone in their 20, early mid 20s knows what they're doing. But uh, <laughs> Emo and I got so busy and we had to quit our day jobs. And we thought, well, why not start another company because we're not busy enough <laughs> uh, and uh, apply what we know to doing something on our own. And we kind of just risked it all. And here we are. Wow. That's incredible. So you got similar clients and with Ride or Cry? Yeah. So with Ride or Cry, do you want to give us kind of for the listeners who maybe aren't familiar with it, a kind of list of some of your top clients that you're working with or even some of the ones that you're just working with right now specifically? Yeah, totally. So Ride or Cry started out, we strictly worked with artists and musicians. We did pretty basic social media digital strategy. Now we, our capabilities are so much more. Uh, we can direct and produce music videos. We build web websites, design websites. We build apps, do a lot of influencer marketing, obviously our bread and butter, social media and digital strategy. We've branched out a lot from working in music because it's pretty, pretty tough industry to be honest. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, we work with anywhere from Slipknot to, you know, an anime and manga distribution company based out of San Francisco. So it's yeah. like all, really just all over the place. But yeah, like all over the board. It makes it really fun that way. I much enjoy working on more on the brand side of things. So rebranding a company and creating content versus social media. Yeah. And I guess that kept going through quarantine. Luckily, you didn't have all your eggs in one basket. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 100%. Yeah. Ride or cry right now is thriving more than ever because everybody needs help with their online presence, which really has benefited us. Yeah. You guys were slotted to play at Coachella this year. Yep. Which is insane. <laughs> That's crazy. And yeah. and when we say slotted to play, so would you, TJ and Morgan, be on stage, but then you would have other artists DJing? Is that what you were planning on doing? Or but like what was your plan with that? Uh, we actually ended up talking about this on our podcast a couple of weeks ago, so I can talk about it. But basically throughout the years, we made emo night into this really crazy thing. Like we've branched out from just having emo and pop punk artists come and DJ. We've had a clown come and perform a My Chemical Romance song. We've had artists from different genres. We've had Post Malone, Demi Lovato. We've had Young Thug. Just artists who vibe with this scene and like this music. You know, we've themed them different things. Circus themed. We've had sword swallowers. Like we've just had it all. We've just branched out and done crazy stuff. So for Coachella, we wanted to do something really, really insane. And so we were in talks with David Copperfield and David Dobrik essentially. <laughs> so this is going to be one of the like hundred things that we were planning, but David Dobrik was going to drive out on stage in a Tesla. Then he was going to press play on Dancing Queen by ABBA, which is a song that we often play at Emo Night. And then David Copperfield was going to come out and make David Dobrik and the Tesla just disappear. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. That would have been amazing. I know. It would have been absolutely epic, but obviously we couldn't do it this year. Oh my God. Well, these are like the ideas. Like you guys specifically came up with these ideas yourself. Yeah. Like, oh, wow. Yeah. 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 I mean, we've been talking to David Copperfield for a couple of years just about working with him on certain things. And so we went to see his show in Vegas and we kind of pitched him the idea and he he was like, sure, let's do it. Wow. Wow. That, <laughs> that's so crazy. 
<laughs> so yeah, it would have been just a, a series of weird things like that. We just wanted to make it incredibly epic, infuse it with emo and pop punk music in a way that makes it really, really unique and fun to watch and right. also brings this culture to the mainstream. Yeah. Imagine the publicity from that. Oh, that would have been yeah. ma- that huge. Yeah. But with that being said, do you have a favorite crazy idea that came to life for an emo night performance that happened? The craziest thing I think, and certainly my favorite performance was when Skrillex reunited from first to last and performed for the first time in 10 years together. Yeah, that's massive. Because you guys have had just the craziest people just to be surprised guests. I mean, like you said, Mark Hoppus was at your third show ever. So you guys have had, and you've even mentioned Demi Lovato, you've had Machine Gun Kelly, Travis Barker. Didn't he play with Machine Gun Kelly? Yeah, Um, at the five-year anniversary, which... Yeah. Just but one. No, you guys have had crazy, crazy guests. It's great. So absolutely amazing. So Babs, there is something I specifically want to ask you about because there's been a common theme between Bowie and I, and it is that we love Japan and everything about Japan. So we heard through the grapevine that you have modeled in Japan. You were a model in Japan. Is this true? <laughs> so I did model for a brand in Japan, but I didn't do the campaign in Japan. And it has it was before I ever went to Japan. And I've been there since. And I'm also obsessed with it. So I'm very much on <laughs> the same page. But it was when I moved to San Francisco for college. It was my first week there pretty much and I didn't know anybody. And I went to like a punk show. It was during the day and I left and I got so lost in this neighborhood. And these four Japanese people approached me on the street and they didn't really speak English. And they asked me to model for what I understood to be just a small blog. And then for the next three days, it was this super professional shoot with makeup artists and different models and like like actual models. And and, uh, you know, wardrobe, like everything, like the whole thing. We went to probably six or eight different locations. <laughs> then, yeah, they sent me this catalog in the mail a month later. And it's a full on catalog. Yeah, what was it for then? Like a, a Japanese clothing brand or something? Yeah, it's or? a Japanese clothing brand called Chow Panic. And the look of it and even the catalog is very urban outfittersy, but a little bit nicer. You know, I think the quality of the clothes was pretty nice, but it's that kind of vibe where it was, you know, younger leaning, really cute stuff. Yeah. And then in the email, they're also like, and you're on our billboard. Oh, <laughs> it's a huge billboard in Japan, like yeah. in Tokyo or something. Or um, I don't know. I had no idea about anything in Japan at that time, so I was just yeah. like, I like I, I don't I don't even really know where it was. I do think what I learned from that experience is just to say yes to things. I mean, I guess it is kind of dangerous to say yes to when someone's like, meet us at this hotel tomorrow for this photo shoot. I obviously gave so many people that address, like on my roommate, right. and my parents, and everything. But share your location on your phone with everyone. Exactly. <laughs> it turned out to be such a cool experience, and it was a cool way to see a city that I had just moved to a week ago. I saw pretty much every single neighborhood. (laughs) You love Japan as much as we do. Oh my God. I love it. I grew up watching this cartoon called Moomin and they opened like a little Moomin themed theme park last year. And so I went to the opening of that and that was my first time in Japan. Oh my God. Was that in Tokyo or is it? It was outside of the city. Yeah. Okay. I stayed for about a week 
week and I just wandered around and I love it. Do you think that for emo night, you would take it to Japan? Oh, we would absolutely love to. We've been, uh, we've been scheming about it, but hopefully when shows are a thing again, we can definitely do that. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. We love Japan. We love Japanese food. We love their fashion. We love the people. It's so, they're so well-mannered. It's ridiculous. And it's just so clean there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like no one walks across a red light there. Everyone waits. So if you cross the road, they just keep their heads down and they're waiting and you're crossing the road. We'd go to a restaurant and I would try to leave a tip. Someone chased me out the door to give me the money back. I was like, no, like for you, for you. They're like, no, they won't. They're just so like, I don't know, everything about their culture is just crazy. It's so polite. And also with it being clean, I don't know if you noticed this, Babs. I never noticed like trash cans really ever like around the streets, but it's so clean still. Yeah. Yeah. How is it so clean and there's no trash cans around? What are people doing with their trash? (laughs) Eat the trash. I know. I have no idea. I do remember holding an empty water bottle for hours because I couldn't find a trash can. Another thing though about Japan is everyone's style is so on point. No matter what's happening, they look so cute and effortless. Yeah. They're always on point there. I feel like even their loungewear Mm -hmm. is just more fashionable than what my loungewear looks like here. Yeah, guys, we need to make more of an effort now. I'm going to start dressing up now. (laughs) Yeah, I've got to try. It's just hard during these times. (laughs) I'm all about just like workout pants and sweats at this point. Same, same. (laughs) Since we're talking about some random facts about you that we heard, can we talk about your love for raw peppers? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I just, I love them. And also I've been going to acupuncture for a long time and my acupuncturist really changed my entire life. I used to eat basically hot Cheetos and cold brew for breakfast. And I started going to her and she was like, dude, of course you don't feel good. That's not food. <laughs> That's There's 0% nourishment in that. And so she kind of just taught me that I should have healthy snacks in my bag. And she was the one who said, hey, like you can just have a bell pepper in your bag and eat it like an apple. And I thought she was insane. And then I started doing it. And it was really funny because when we went on tour with 303, our rider was the healthiest thing. It was just like a bag of bell peppers and kombucha. <laughs> <laughs> oh. But it was so funny because because everybody on tour thought I was crazy in the beginning. And then toward the end, little Aaron was eating bell peppers. So you're welcome. I'm not going to lie. I just now the thought of it, I was like, man, I think I should stop at the store later and get bell pepper and just see what this is all about. Because yeah. now I'm like, this kind of sounds like it'd be good. Yeah, it's just, it's really healthy. And you can, I don't know, you, you can just have it in your bag if you're busy and on the go, which I'm obviously not right now, but I still just eat them. It's a, it's just like a do really... It though? Like, do you dip it in anything or you just eat it literally? like as an apple. I just eat it like an apple, yeah. Oh. I think I want one too. Now. Right? But we're going to, after this podcast, we'll go stop and get a raw bell pepper. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, mine. do you care like what color? I really like yellow ones, but did you know that they're all the same? They're just different stages of ripening? I guess that would make sense, but no, I did not know that. I didn't know that until a month ago, so I don't know. It blew my mind. All right, Bab. So given we're coming out of quarantine, hopefully soon, what are the plans for Ride or Cry and Emo Night for next year, assuming things open up? Or even if they don't open up, do you have sort of a plan to do online things? What's going to happen? We're not even trying to think about anything going back to normal yet because it's just so unclear as to when that will happen. I think we did a really good job at adapting to the times really quickly. We had a show on Twitch that we live streamed, I think 
week two of quarantine that we've developed into a more, you know, complex and and really cool sort of weekly and and monthly event. Then we built out a Patreon that has different tiers of what members get. Uh, We do like a mystery merch box that we send to people every month. Uh, We put out a lot of original content of footage that we've edited from the years and years of footage that we're sitting on. We do a bonus podcast, just TJ, Morgan, and myself every week that we put out. So it's a bunch of different offerings. And we also have a Discord channel that we can talk to all the members in that has been really helpful to keep our community together. We've done a lot of merch collabs that have been really exciting with people that we've been talking to before this year too. So that's been nice to kind of see come to life. We're just trying to stay creative and do anything and everything that we can do online and while we're socially distanced. And then, you know, as we're able to do more, we'll definitely try to do maybe a drive-in show or something like that. But I haven't been to one either. I know a lot of people who have, and I th- I've gotten pretty mixed feedback from it. Um, it doesn't seem obviously that fun, but I think it's a good alternative for now. And how does it make money to if you got four people in a car or you're paying for a car, I guess? Or is it, I think it's per person per car. Is no, it's per car. It's, oh, per it's car. it's per car. Yeah. And the ticket prices are like 150 per car. So I think they're making pretty good money, you know? Yeah. And then they sell merch and they usually have food at them. There's, you know, that's a good amount of money. I think that you can make it's obviously not as much as you would make it a regular show but i think for the time being it works yeah that's interesting all right babs so we have this fun thing uh, that we do at the end and it's just a little quiz it's not very hard uh we don't want to scare you about it so it's just a very quick thing so don't worry about it it's gonna be nice and easy and do you want to do the first question boy yeah okay first question Dogs or cats? Cats. Ooh. You're a cat lady. I am. Do you have a cat or did you grow up with cats? I do have a cat. He is just running around. Wow. <laughs> Very What's his name? Cat Guy. Uh, wait, seriously? Your cat's name is Cat Guy? Yeah. <laughs> you know Jordan from uh, the Ready Step, my friend? You know Jordan Witzegruder. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You know that their cat's Cat Boy. Oh, no way. Did you know that? <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I don't even know if he knew that yours was. Yeah, I can't cat. believe we've never talked, talked about, about that. that. Wow. That's I love so that. <laughs> All right. Well, next question for you then whiskey or vodka? Ooh, neither. But I guess if I had to, vodka. Okay. Are you a, like a tequila or a beer or, or a tea or a coffee? Or, yeah. yeah, more like coffee. I don't drink much. I suppose, yes, if I have a drink, it would be tequila, like a margarita. Yeah. But Just I don't, yeah, hard liquor makes me really sick. Gotcha. So if we said coffee or tea, you'd pick coffee. Yes, totally. We'll go with coffee then for this question. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, third question. Beach or snow? Ooh, snow. Yeah. (laughs) Finally, another one on our team. We've had two in a row now. Everyone picks beach. Really? 23 guests and it's like 90% of them say beach. But you go to the beach and then you have sand everywhere for the next year. Exactly. So true. Like, no, thank you. And the snow is so like cozy cozy, and you sit around a fireplace and you drink like hot chocolate or whatever. And like, it's such a fun time. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I'm dreaming of snow right now. (laughs) (laughs) Last question. And I already know one of the answers to this raw bell peppers, but what is on your rider? (laughs) 
<laughs> so on our rider, we have bell peppers of all colors. We have kombucha. What else? I'm trying to remember. Usually we'll just have like LaCroix. What's that drink that everyone drinks? Is it an alcoholic drink? Yeah. White Claw? Yes. Or- yes. White Claw. Oh, I love that I guessed it. <laughs> I was going to say Jamison. <laughs> I love that I was like, it's got to be White Claw. Yeah. Okay. I think that's it. We're pretty easy, honestly. Yeah. We've never had a crazy writer or anything. This leads into the next question. If you specifically could have anything on your writer, what would you add to it? And you can say anything. I mean, we, we've had people say they'd be, they're like, oh, I'll have a masseuse every night. Or oh, like, yes. That sounds yeah. nice. <laughs> right? So like in that realm of things, what do you think you'd go to? Hmm, that's a tough one. <laughs> I wouldn't want a masseuse because then, because I'd be in patty mode after I performed. You know what I mean? I'd oh, be like, yeah. you yeah, could yeah. always have the masseuse have it before. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. or have well, it before. Yeah, that's true. Honestly, I will also answer masseuse because my back is always so messed up. So that sounds nice. It's a good one, right? Yeah. yeah. That's a really good one. Really good one to add to the rider. Yeah. I want it the next day, I think. So I want mine on my rider to be the next day. <laughs> well, my, the thing. my rider continues. Your rider is just, it's every day, obviously. Yeah. Then you're getting what you want from the night before. That's true. You perform the night before, you show up the next day, you've yeah. got it there. True. <laughs> and then I had puppies on mine. Would you put like cats on yours? Would you want like a little like cat party that'd be really cute just like a room of cats yeah Jess really did put it on the rider once and they really brought puppies no way well here's the thing it's like of course it was a joke but when the promoter of the show or someone that works at the venue has a dog they'll be like oh like they've actually come up and been like here's a dog someone that works at the venue's dog And so they bring it before the show, like while we're like loading in or something. And I'm like, oh my God. They're like, great. Your dog's sitting now. (laughs) Yeah. They're like, it's great that you asked for this because I couldn't leave him at home or her (laughs) at home. So here you go. (laughs) That's so funny. Oh man. Anyways. Well, Babs, thank you so much for doing this. We're so happy that we had you on the show. For the listeners, do you want to give us your social media handles, your Patreon and your podcast, and just kind of all the information that you want to give for people to like follow what you're up to right now. Yeah, sure. So we are emo, N-I-T-E-L-A on all socials. Our Patreon is just patreon.com slash emo night LA. And that is where we post all of the stuff. Perfect. So good. And your Ride or Cry podcast, does that air every week? Yeah. Every Friday we put out an episode of the Ride or Cry podcast. Perfect. Yes, everyone go listen to that. It's amazing. Head over to their Patreon account for that. Yeah, definitely. So awesome. Thank you so much, Babs. It was so good to catch up and talk to you. Thank you, guys. This was so fun. Yeah, be safe for the rest of de- quarantine, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I will do my best. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much, Babs. Thanks, Babs. Thanks.